The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. As you can probably guess, listener discretion is advised. We use a lot of dirty language on this program. Like? No, no, we don't have to get into it. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, tune in today uh, to Jim Norton, myself, and my pal Matt Serra for Hi. UFC Unfiltered. We have a pretty interesting episode. Uh, Matt and I do talk about whacking off as usual. We have the great Brian Stan, the complete alpha male that he is, calls in. We have uh, Amanda Nunes, and yes. uh, of course, we do have a big f up. Yeah, I but, think there's uh, another Amanda also in here. Yeah, why wouldn't there be? Why would we get the right number? UFC and digital media present. UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra, powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your hosts, Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Oh, Hello. Good, co good coffee. I can't drink any more coffee. I've drank two giant cups today. One more, and I'm going to shit my pants in this seat. I wanted espresso. And I, and I gave like the hint to uh, Chris, the producer, when I came in. I was a little, not late, but kind of right on time. And I'm like, oh, man. I go, I, I didn't have time for espresso. You, is there any espresso around here? You think I'm close by? He's like, well, I got you a coffee. And he kind of hesitated. And I, I'm like, oh, oh, all right, that'll do. Meanwhile, but I hesitated enough for him to be like, man, maybe I can get you some. But he didn't, he didn't offer. Yeah, no, that's the way we do it. Like when, you, when, when we want something, instead of saying, could you get yeah. that? Because you don't, don't want to be that guy. And then I'm like, well, my, my, this is my producer. He wants the, the fucking talent to be happy. And yeah. he's right in front of us, by the way, smiling yeah, awkwardly. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. What do you have to say for yourself? That with a fucking talent. No, I, I know. Well, I set you up with your coffee, your forced blenders. Don't get upset about yeah, it. Yeah, eight episodes <laughs> in, and already we're fucking having right, meltdowns right. over coffee, and we're getting yelled at. But uh, no, no, that's all right though. This is this is just as good as espresso. Just, yeah, just big coffee from the deli. Fucking horrendous. Some fucking ISIS supporter. Major this? coffee. Is there, is there a gas station on the corner? You got this from? You know, I uh, sludge. We always, no, it's not that bad. Here's how we ask for stuff when we want it. Instead of saying, "Could you get me that?" We're like, "Is there any water around?" Yeah, <laughs> that means could someone get me water? I know. I know there's water around. It's, it not like it's not like I'm asking like Chris, the producer, to do it. He's he's the producer. He earned his spot and behind the desk. But there's got to be some other guys around here. That, that that's their job. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like like interns or something. No. Yeah, we have a lot of fucking shaping up to do around here before Matt and I are happy. <laughs> All right, this is this is how we're just starting the show, just complaining. How was your birthday yesterday? And I'm this is the third day in a row I'm seeing you. I'm not complaining. No, 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 no. My birthday was a couple days ago, and it was uh, it was okay. It was. Uh... You know, I, I get depressed on my birthday. Do you? I, first of all, Colin Quinn taped his uh, brilliant Netflix special, and I forgot. Because, again, I always fight the urge to throw myself off a balcony. I'm 48. 
Oh, you're 48? Yeah, man. And I'm like, what do I do? I wound up just going out to dinner with a friend and coming home. Yeah. Just grabbing my penis alone. It was really an awful shit birthday. <laughs> and what about holidays, too? You get, you get, you, are you with your family at holidays? Or I not- see them. Um, but yeah, I get very... If I'm in a relationship, I'm okay around the holidays. Yeah. But I've been single for so long. Um, you, you know, I just... I don't do much. The give and take. Yeah, I get bummed out. I feel lonely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm lonely, man. I, I I don't on my birthday. I I, I made last minute dinner plans after I did. Yeah. I did a quick set at the Comedy Cellar. What else am I going to do? I'll tell, I'll tell you, I have your mind. Listen, we're getting close. I have your mind. We'll, we'll, you'll eat well. This guy, I think I'm inviting you over for Christmas. It's, oh, I go over there. A nice oh, Italian we'll meal time. in oh, fucking dude. Long Island. Oh no, you'll have a good time. But uh, Colin Quinn, so he has a new special on uh... for Netflix. Yeah, it's called New York Stories. It's brilliant. It's it's all really? about New York and race and ethnic uh, relationships. Because Colin grew up in New York in the '70s. So if you've seen, he talks about race in such a, a funny, smart way. And nobody is bothered by the way he talks about it. You know, really? black people love when he talks about black people. Uh, you know, Dominicans love when he discusses Dominicans because he understands all different ethnicities because he grew up in New York. And he talks about them honestly and accurately. And uh, he doesn't do caricatures or, or just pointless stereotypes. Like yeah. He really talks about groups the way they existed in New York when the Polish came and all this yeah. stuff. So nobody feels judged or like they're being caricatured by him. It's really funny. Such he's a, a real, he's a real guy. comics comic. No, like yeah, he's comics, everybody respects him. I everybody I hear a lot of people always talk about his stand up, and it's it's he's so- my favorite working comedian. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. As a person, he's repulsive, but he's my favorite working comic. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, he's uh, he's just great. So I'm kind of bummed, and if it wasn't my birthday, I probably would have remembered to go. But I was yeah. just kind of feeling sorry for myself. But it's not feeling sorry for yourself. Like, I make money, I have a good apartment. It's not about that. I don't feel like the business has fucked me or I don't get my due. Yeah. It's just, you know, low self-esteem shit. When you, when your birthday. Yeah, every day I have Or holidays it. and stuff like that. Is that a single guy's thing? I don't know what that is. Is it like, or is it just in general, you think, uh, like, I think at some point, don't you need that unconditional love you get from a child or a pet? I don't know. <laughs> is this too deep? Or a prostitute. Is this start, <laughs> or a prostitute. I, that, you know, but... but I don't know if this is starting off the the thing too deep, but you ever get like that? With the, I uh, do, yeah. You know, a lot of my friends around forty, and they didn't get married. They don't have kids. They get that. I, t- I said this before. They get they get a puppy, and they and you got to see them. They're the, even tough guys. They're like, yeah, get me, get, get my puppy, and they love their puppy like it's their child, and they have that unconditional love that you usually get from a child. I want to get a small dog. I have like a a little bit of outdoor space now. I want to get like a wee wee pad for the thing to go out there yeah. and piss on, so I don't have to fucking walk it. it yeah, see, that is, that is the thing with the walk in the door. It <laughs> can be a like cats are more. They they self uh, uh, t- I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna, <laughs> Why, do I'm gonna mess up a word. They Wait. self. Uh, Why are you doing good? <laughs> Come on. He brings me. Da- you know who we gotta talk to? Oh. Brian Stan. We do, but I want to hear your word first. Uh, oh no, I want to talk about a new Netflix show I watched last night too. No, I'm getting off the word because I'm okay. not gonna say it. But listen, uh, Stranger Things or Strange Things. What a interesting show about in the 80s, uh, 1983. It's like. It reminds me a little of the Goonies. It's got like a, a little spooky feel. I'm just starting it is out. Is it a now. drama or is it a No, no, no. It's like a it's like a little it reminds me of a little like Hardy Boyish fucking type of thing. It's uh, a straight it's a no, that sounds really bad, Hardy No, nah, it's a great who is it? That uh, David uh, Sean remember Cassidy. That? Remember um, that stuff? Is I it do. Half the audience right now, anybody uh born after freaking um nineteen eighty five doesn't know the uh, Yeah, the Hardy Boys, Boys mysteries. They were great yeah. books for a young boy. They were like they were like the fucking and a TV show. It was a TV show, and I also read a little Judy Bloom. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Yes, I did, about the fat girl. I did read it. Yes, I did. And, oh, no, Blubber was about the fat girl. 
Blubber? Blubber. It was a Judy Bloom novel about a fat girl. It was good, too, um, from what I remember. I'm saying that now enthusiastically as a 48-year-old queen. Oh, my God. It was a delightful book. You ought to read it, Matt. Trust me. But I told you, I'm trying to get into something new because I need something to watch with my wife at night when we put the kids to bed. Narcos. That's what I got to get into that. that. I heard that's great. I love the stuff that Netflix does. The Wire. I, the Wire, but I, I don't know where the fuck they got to get this. HBO somewhere. Go, you silly goose. It is on HBO Go, Phenomenal. right? Phenomenal. Everybody, for ages I've been hearing about The Wire. I love it. I'm f- getting into something new. That's all I know. Dude, I you saw have something- five, five seasons of The Wire. I'm trying yeah? to get to The Wire. Really? Start with it. Fuck everything else. Watch The Wire. Because right. you have five I, good seasons. That is, that, that is, you know, I got into Breaking Bad late, and I enjoyed that. I got into Sons of Anarchy late, and I enjoyed that. Maybe the why is the next one for me. That's the one. Go with that one. There's but other- strange things or stranger things. I don't want to mess up the thing. That that that's that might be fun too. Is Brian Stan on the phone? No, yet? we got to get him on the phone. Oh, Chris, um, the producer. I don't know Brian. Is that a yes or no? What a great guy. Yeah. Is he on the phone? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna call him right uh, now. But he's doing uh, sign language with us. Are you calling him right now? Yeah. Okay, do it right, on the air. Good. There's no reason to go off the air. Yeah, he's man. Call him. Let's just do it. This is called the behind the scenes of the UFC Unfiltered yeah, podcast. People like that. Um, he's going to dial out. We're going to hit the little buttons in the back. They like to keep it real. Matt's sipping his coffee. I'm sipping my sludge. Oh, the whole thing is happening. The so, buttons, so, you hear the buttons? There's no espresso around here? Oh, no, well, I got your coffee. Exciting shit. Just as good, Chris. How's oh, my the energy? phone's ringing. Ooh, this is exciting, folks. Hello? Hello, Brian? Yes. Hi, buddy. You're on the air with uh, Jim Norton and uh, Matt Sarah. How are hey, you? Hey, Brian. I'm doing well. What's going on, fellas? Good, man. Good. Thank you for uh, for talking to us today. Oh, always a pleasure. Are you excited for this weekend, buddy? Yeah, I am. I always am. You know, anytime it's a Fox card, you know, it's uh, it's a different feel. You know, it's always a little exciting. They put on a great card. The crowd's great. And plus, you know, Chicago in the summertime, it's it's a fun atmosphere. Yeah, you know, I got to know Brian. Uh, when was that? Brian, we we did something, the uh, the fight for the troops. It was one of those uh, on a fight card, the fight for the troops. And we did that stuff where we did the um, the signings and we messed around with the army guys. <laughs> Do you remember how long ago was that, buddy? And then Dana Man, took us to a, probably, he, he awarded uh, us with a puppet show. <laughs> four years ago, I think. We were down in Fort Hood, four Texas. Years, that's right. And they put they put gear on Matt Sarah, but didn't give him a weapon. And they had, they were doing room clearing training for infantry soldiers. Oh, that was and they fun. they had to clear the room and they had to subdue Matt Sarah, get him on the ground, arms behind his back. Right. And the amount of soldiers it took to get him and Jim Miller to the ground was comical. Me there and Jimmy. There were 30 guys, rifles flying all the place, <laughs> throwing them against walls. Jimmy. And then the Italian, the thick Italian New York accent is going on the ground. I'm going to get you. <laughs> it, was, it was great. That was great. That was like within the first hour of us meeting each other. <laughs> I'm getting It was. I'm getting I restrained. They had me. <laughs> I had to deal with the dogs. They sick the dog. The dog bit me in the ass. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> that was a great time, though, man. I had a really good time. It was it was us and uh, Frank Yeager with, was with us. Chuck Liddell. We had Dominic Cruz. It wow. was it was a, it was a re- yeah it was a good crew it was a good time oh, man. it was a great crew it was a great crew you guys were great with the soldiers I mean they they really really enjoyed it and what was the name of the entertainment they had for us because I mean Dana's like oh we got a treat tonight this guy <laughs> what was that guy's name was it Jeff Dunham no because no. he's a great no he won America's Got Talent oh and Terry Fader at the Mirage Terry Fader is it no is it Terry Fader? Terry Fader is yeah. that right yeah yeah. Terry well, how Fader. do you know? Yeah. How does Jimmy know? Because I've done his, I've performed in his theater to not nearly as oh. many people as he had in there. But he has. Wait, is that the guy with the puppets? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That, that that's that that was that was interesting. 
<laughs> so right? match, match their text and Dana. You know, I, after this many years fighting the UFC, I've sold all these tickets. I've done all this for you. The best you could do is send me front row tickets to a puppet show. Thanks a lot. I mean, they're going back and forth the whole show, making fun of each other. Yeah, that was great, man. That feels like it was yesterday, man. But that was that was a blast. But yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know he had that for us. I was like, oh man, a treat. Oh, the guy plays in Vegas. The the fucking Muppets. What am I doing? What is this? Where's Miss Piggy? Oh, Jimmy, it was it was fucking hysterical. I haven't seen his act. Like I know Jeff Dunham. He's Jeff a Dunham's a really interesting right? guy. Uh, but he but he's more of an adult. You know, he's a pretty fierce comic. Like as far, he's just very clean and family. Yeah. Friendly. Funny though. No, no, this guy was funny too. I wish I would have brought my kids. But uh hey, bro, <laughs> <laughs> But back to this weekend. Back to this weekend. I am really I'm I'm telling you, I'm really excited for the Holly Holm versus uh, uh with uh Valentina's fight. Uh, Valentina, what am I supposed yeah. to say? You know, especially and, and I hope uh, and I imagine they are, but the storyline here, I mean, Shevchenko accepted this fight right after she watched her coach get shot in a restaurant. Oh, man. I mean, wow, you know, she right. she had to she had to do what? immediate action. On her coach, who who's suffering from a gunshot wound, they're in a restaurant. Someone comes in there to shoot out, you know, and, and, and then you know th- this woman immediately accepts a fight with Holly Holm. It's you know a main event, so there's there's been a lot going on in this woman's that. personal life. <laughs> Everybody obviously is focused on hey, Holly's coming off the loss to Misha Tate. Misha Tate's already lost the title to Amanda Nunes. All all that's going on, but this is pretty interesting too. I mean, a pretty I mean, fighters come from such unique backgrounds. They've overcome so much adversity in most cases that uh, I hope that doesn't get lost. And I think a lot of people are, are counting Shevchenko out and they forget Shevchenko's last fight against Amanda Nunes. She won the third round. Oh, 100%. Hiring. Oh, yeah. You know, I was just, that, that was a competitive fight. I was just talking about that because we had Holly on the other day and uh, that was a very competitive fight. And Holly was saying if that was a five rounder, she thinks that uh, Valentina uh, would have been the victor. So, yeah. I mean, that fight, and she kept her cool. She lost the, the first round. Uh, the second round, she, uh, the first round was, she definitely lost. But the, the second round, she took a beating. She was cut. And she came back, and she uh, was won that third round. And she was game. Very patient on her feet. Uh, even poised on the floor when she's taking a bit of a beating. She's going back to her defense. She's, you know, hey, man, she's got some throws like she did on Sarah Kaufman. This is a really. I just don't think the. I don't know if the audience knows her or did the, if they didn't see her fight, they don't know what Holly's uh, in for in a sense where this girl's just a great opponent. No, exactly right. And you know the, the real key thing that's interesting to me tactically for Shevchenko is she really likes to counter strike. She's very patient on her feet. The hard thing if you're going to fight someone like Holly Holm like that is you're going to get behind on the scorecards because Holly's got excellent footwork. You know she's going to she's going to jab you. She's going to hit you with. One, two, three punches yes. and a kick, and she's going to get out of there. She exits very, very well. And if you're waiting to counter, you're going to eat some of those jabs. You know, you're going to eat some of those punches and kicks, and you're going to be left hitting air because the person's going to be gone. So I want to see if Valentina changes her style of it, gets a little bit more offensive, applies a little bit more pressure, maybe initiates the clinch a little bit more. And then I'm interested to see which, because both of these ladies are physically very strong, but who's stronger? Who's going to win in the clinch? Can Valentina put Holly on her back? Uh, you know, I'm interested to see all of those things tactically take place, and and it's awesome. I love this new five round stuff. It's not that new anymore, but I just I love in matches like this that you get five rounds to to watch the fight unfold. You get all these momentum shifts, and it's just so much more uh, ideal to me for main event fights that have this much weight on them. I mean, the winner of this sets himself up very nicely 
for a title shot against Nunes. Well, so many things. It's amazing in the fourth and fifth round, like you said, how many how many people fall apart in those last two rounds. Like I thought, Edgar Aldo. I thought Frankie Edgar was doing so well. I mean, he's just he's just such a tireless striker. And then it just seemed like in the last two rounds, I don't know if he ran out of gas, but it just seemed like a lot of his punches were missing and a lot of his kicks weren't landing. And uh, Aldo just surprisingly seemed to be uh, have a little bit better wind in those last two rounds. Yeah, you know, you, you wondered for that fight, right? Was Frankie Edgar going to fight the worst or the best Jose Aldo ever? It probably wasn't going to be in the middle. How is he going to recover from that devastating loss to Conor McGregor? And he showed us. I mean, Jose Aldo was on in that fight. His takedown defense has always been fantastic. But, it, I mean, we've never seen Frankie Edgar thrown to the ground by one hand before. I mean, it was it was a really, really solid performance by Jose Aldo. And I think that... Uh, you know, it, it just gets a little a little frustrating for Frankie when everything you're doing is just not working at that moment. You know, Aldo, uh, he was the bigger guy, but then he was also the quicker guy. And when yeah. Aldo, when he uncorks, man, it, it's it's special to watch. He is an exceptional athlete. And he showed the patience that uh, that he did not show with, with Connor, like we talked about before, right. Jimmy, where... You know, like with Connor, like you know, he just wanted to get him. And then with Frankie, he did sit back and he was playing some counter strikes and he was being patient. And I wonder if he he has to have that same temperament if he meets up with Connor again, because that that's that's yeah. I mean, that's where even if you want to say like you don't the you know, the emotions could fuel you when you have such a a, a rivalry, but uh, it could also hurt you if you just want to get the guy. It takes you actually out of your game. You know, where he just lunged in the elite after, level. Yeah, exactly. The elite level. There's really no place for it. You know, there's no place for, you know, for emotion at the elite level. It's, it's going to cost you, and, and I couldn't agree more. But the one thing I would say that, that Jose will be in danger of, if he, if he goes with a similar game plan, if you sit back and you just look to counter Conor McGregor, he's so long. And I think he ended up getting behind the scorecards a little bit if you're just waiting. The other thing is he didn't leg kick Frankie much, which I was surprised about. He didn't leg kicks. I mean, you know, there's leg kicks that, that do some damage, score some points, and then there's ones that are devastating and, and Jose Aldo is in the category of devastating, just like, you know, the gentleman, the co-main event Saturday night. Edson Barbosa. Yeah. Yeah. And so with, with Connor's stance and some of the things he likes to do, I think it's very smart of Jose Aldo, you know, to start ripping away at the legs and the body with his kicks. He's got a weapon. I've called two of his fights before. When you're sitting cage side and Jose kicks somebody, I'll tell you what, man, your teeth shake. <laughs> well, Brian, <laughs> do you think it could be, and I wondered the same thing watching it, because that's one of my favorite things about Aldo, is that maybe with Connor, he doesn't have to worry as much about being taken down, and, and maybe he was uh, he's very worried about Edgar taking him down. You know, I wondered that, but gosh, I mean, Aldo's take on the fence is so good. Even when he gets taken down, you can't hold that guy down. It, it's near impossible, so I wondered that. One thing I would say, too, that people forget is, you know, he could have been injured. When you kick that hard, even if in practice you have one of those kicks blocked or you kick a knee or you kick an elbow, the oh. bruising that takes place in the shin takes forever to heal. Oh. And when he fought Chan Sung Jung, Korean zombie, I called that fight. He kicked him, and he had he had a kick partially blocked. And he said after the fight, he, he thought he broke his foot. Oh. He did not kick that guy again for the rest of the fight until Jung's shoulder popped out. His shoulder popped out, and then Aldo went high and kicked yeah. the shoulder a couple times and kicked the arm, you know, to finish him off. So yeah. I wonder, I wonder if Aldo maybe hurt his foot or his shin in training at all, and if that was a factor, or if it was just, hey, I don't need to kick. The threat of the takedown was enough to keep him from kicking because, you know, while his takedown defense is great, 
Edgar's fantastic at catching kicks and converting them to takedowns. Yeah, what do you think of uh, of, of, of Melendez Barboza too? Because Edson Barboza is one of my favorite guys to watch. Oh, this yeah, this fight's awesome though. Because you know where Barboza still has to kind of prove to us is, you know, can can he win when the fight gets a little ugly? You know, when the fight starts getting ugly, can can he win those scraps? You know, the, the fight he didn't win against Tony Ferguson, you know, he finally went to the elite level and beat a guy who's been a champion before Anthony Pettis. He's finally turned over his entire training camp to Mark Henry and Ricardo Almeida, something they've been asking him to do for years instead of splitting time. So that's a great thing for him. But Melendez has, he's got a way of, of making really pretty finesse fighters get into street fights. And I think that's what Gilbert's going to want to do here. He's going to want to get that grimace on his face, get a little bloody, and get really close to Barbosa, get in the boxing range and, and, and make him deal with him there, wear him down, get it to be an ugly fight where he can take away some of those kicks. And, you know, in order to do that, though, Gilbert's got to be able to absorb some shots, man. Barbosa, we talk about his kicks, but let's say what, his jabs, his punches, everything this kid uncorks, like Aldo, Man, it's got some velocity on it. He, he's a great athlete. So this, as excited as I am for the main event, you know this this is this is the pick for for that fight. That's just going to be look. Don't don't go to grab another cold one. You know during this one, watch the whole thing because I think it's going to be fast paced. Gilbert's got a lot to prove. Barbosa's coming off his biggest, highest profile win to date, and and he can get himself back in the mix now at 155 pounds for the win over Melendez. And what do you think? Was Gilbert hurt? Because he hasn't fought, I think, in a year. Um, a little over a year, actually. He was uh, Alvarez. He, he popped after the Alvarez fight. Oh. He, he failed the drug test. Okay. And he was, you know, he was a guy that, I'll tell you what, though, he handled it like a man. He handled it like a man. He said what he needed to say. He, he admitted his faults. And, you know, he certainly, you know, you look back at that fight, it didn't look like whatever he was taking, he was, you know, I mean, it was wrong. He took a suspension, but certainly didn't look like he got maximum benefits from it, or or he abused it. You know, he didn't. He didn't look like some of the other guys who we were like, oh yeah, not surprised this guy popped. What do you think of uh, of Jones? I mean, is he going to get two years? He seemed. Matt and I spoke to him. He seemed fairly optimistic that he would get six months, or he was hopeful. Uh, was that just wishful thinking? You know, I'm I'm concerned for him. I'm really concerned for him. You know, when when you look at what he failed for. He's, he's got to be fingers crossed hoping that he's he sent some, some supplements in to get tested that are going to show to be tainted, and he's, he's got to present some evidence for, uh, for, for his arbitration panel to, to want to lessen a sentence, not just because of this incident, but because of the, the, the past problems. You know, he's failed drug tests before, and, and he's, got, he's got a history. So my, my biggest fear for him is a guy like him who has a penchant for getting into trouble – now can't work for two years. You know, can can he can he stay out of trouble for two years when he's got a lot more time on his hands? Will we ever see him again? And, and you know, he's a human being. He's got a family. Yeah. I, I hope so. I hope he can get. I really hope he can get things together. And yeah, man. you know, sometimes that doesn't happen until you really start to look in the mirror and point the finger right at yourself, regardless of 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 what you think caused it or what excuses we all love to give ourselves when we mess up. Typically, if, if we're screwing up repeatedly, we know it's our own fault. We don't fix it until we identify ourselves as a problem. Yes. Let me let me ask you, Brian. Uh, your your last fight with Vandalay uh, Silva was oh man, what a what a freaking battle that was. Did he get? Uh, no, I don't want to get this wrong because I'm friendly with Vandalay. Did he get popped after that for something? Not after that fight, but he after did the, not. Not after he your fight. Now, they but, did. 
he did eventually get drug tested um, did he? when he oh, was wait. supposed to fight Chael. Oh, that's what happened. I'm sorry. All right. Okay. And he didn't yep. take the test type of thing. Yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. No, I knew there was something there. <laughs> oh, he refused? Was he the one who ran yeah. out when they came to test him? Yeah, that's, that's really? the okay. one. Yeah, because I knew there was something with that. But yeah, what a what a, what a a battle that was, though, man. And, that was you, a, know, you know, that was a fight where, you know, of course, we all have our suspicions, right? We all yeah. have our suspicions, but... But here's the one thing I would say to that is, you know, like other fighters that I fought, I had my suspicions, but I signed the dotted line. Yeah. So um, it's never going to be something where I come out and say, hey, you know, I think this guy cheated me or whatnot. I went into it thinking that he probably would. Yeah. And, you know, being a pride era fighter, <laughs> I went into it thinking I can beat him regardless. Yeah. And uh, almost I did. I mean, th- listen, what a fight. Jimmy, you got to watch that one on Fight Pass. Holy yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That one is, uh, that, that was a fight of the night. Yes. That was a fight of the night. It was. It was uh, and well deserved. But, uh, yeah, we, man, I, yeah, I love all your fights, more. Brian. We you always go for it. We but, gave them brain cells. Yeah. I mean, we literally, we, we just sprayed our brain cells to all the people yeah. in the front row and made them all smarter while we got dumber. And is that what <laughs> made you say, because obviously you're in great shape and, uh, you know, you still definitely had some more in the tank. But, you know, like me, we both uh, we both have uh, the same thing, three little girls, right? Correct. You don't have any more yet. Do yeah, you? I have yeah. three, yep. <laughs> we got the same thing going on. And uh, I know that was a big decision when it was time for me to walk away. Was that, was that a big decision for you with the family? and. And having a fight like that, a battle like that, where you're like, you know what, maybe I don't want to take any more uh, withdrawals out of the bank. You know, I, I, it was it was it was tough, but I was so frustrated with with the sport at that time. I yeah. was very very frustrated, and, Why were you and frustrated? I had to make a real. I, I had to make a realization that look, if 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 I am not, if I don't have a strong chance at making some some very very real money that's going to last my family a long time. Yeah. Then, then I need to get to work on what is going to do that for me. And and if I'm losing to to fighters who are on the back end of their career, like Vanderlei Silva, and I'm supposed to still be on the front end of it, then then it's time for me to make a career switch as, as a husband and a father. I've got to make those really responsible decisions now. I can't be selfish. I can't be wild. I can't take chances and say, okay, I'll get back in the gym and work on some things, and then I'll be champion one day. You know, it was it was one of those because I, I had planned to fight for another three and a half years. That was on my financial timeline. Hey, retire at 36, put this much money away. I had, I always had a full-time job while I fought, so I was still building my business career, although it was still, you know, I'm dividing my attention between it. That was, was kind of my chopping block. But, but now all of a sudden, you know, I take another, another big, uh, you know, my first really bad knockout in the sport, and I'm losing to a guy who's supposed to be finished in the career, you know, then, then I may be wasting some of my time here. And you only get one chance to live. And, you know, it, it's hard to really get full-fledged in your, your professional long-term career. It's hard enough to do that, you know, let alone do it when you're closer to 40. And yeah. so that, that was really what made the decision for me. And it was hard. I mean, it was still, especially being involved in the TV side, I still have these live events. I hear other people's music hit the speakers. Yeah. Every time I'm there live, I miss it. Every well, yeah. time. What was your song to walk out to? What was your song, Brian? You know, I I used to change it up all the time, and then Dana picked this one song, "Diamond Eyes" by Shine Down for me. So when I still hear it, I identify with it because that's what I walked out to my last couple fights. But I didn't pick it. He said, "No, this this is perfect <laughs> for you." And 
he's you know he's the promoter and so i would submit like a good heavy metal song that i trained to that yeah. during that training camp and he'd change it back to that that you're feeling yeah well now you listen the next chapter of your life you know i could feel you with that man being a, a former fighter how do you feel with that man how do you feel with the uh the commentary work you do you're great at it i i enjoy your work yeah you know you're very knowledgeable you're very clear to the audience whether they're fans or they're not they, they're they're new guys new people watching you get your, the point across, and uh, and you and you're really good. Do you enjoy it? Are you, is it fulfilling? For I you? love it. I love it. I mean, look, I I, I got into this sport because I loved it. I didn't start until I was 27 years old. So, you know, I got into it very late, and and to have the opportunity to to transition out of the sport and be able to stay this close to it, more specifically, stay close to the athletes. I mean, my job is I go out there and I represent them. I'm I'm the mouthpiece. To, to their performance. And so it, it's a great honor. And I enjoy, that's the big key is I enjoy the preparation for it. You know, everybody, anybody can go out there and like being on the microphone. We all love to hear ourselves talk. We love the attention, right? But you got to love the work behind it. You got to love digging up stuff and talking to these athletes and their coaches, wanting to know, hey, where'd you come from? Where are you going? You know, where are you getting better? You know, what was your journey through this process? And I, you know, every time the thing that, that I love, these, these, these guys remind me so much of, of, of men and women that I met in the military. Because so many times these kids have to overcome tremendous adversity to get where they are today. That happens a lot with these fighters. And you see these, these performances they put on, they don't just get you fired up. It's not just enjoyment, like, wow, I really enjoyed that fist fight. A lot of times it's inspiring. I mean, you, you leave watching them compete, like, wow, how did they dig to that? that depth how did they make that adjustment even though they were that exhausted to win that fight it makes you want to be better in all the things you're involved in in your sport or your life i should say you know your personal relationships you know whether you're professional or whatever it is you're doing and you know for me uh it's it's just a great honor i, I will never take it for granted because anything you do on tv there's there's a thousand people who sure. want your job they're yes. to compete for your job every day so as long as it lasts, I'm I'm extremely excited and grateful to do it. Uh, I can't I can't tell you how much fun and how much I enjoy being cage side, calling fights, talking to these athletes, and then afterwards. And you see this now too, Matt, because in this sport, man, the athletes are so heartbroken when they lose, and they think it's the end of the world. And and it's to to be in a position where you can go to them, put your hand on their shoulder, and make them realize, look, what you just did out there doesn't define you as a person. Right? It's not all that you are. It's just one bad day at the office. You can come back to share stories of how we've had to come back and walk a mile in those shoes and where they can go from here to, to, to be someone who can have that kind of relationship with some of these fighters is a lot of fun. And on the flip side, to find someone who just won a big fight and let them know, hey, look, I know you're really high right now. Enjoy that, but be smart. Be careful. Don't go do anything stupid tonight. You know, save some of your money, put a little bit away, and start to invest in your training. Keep going, man. The sky's the limit for you. That's man, it's a lot of fun to to be able to play that role. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what? One of the one of the thing about uh, being the guys that have the experience is we've been there on on both sides. <laughs> we've had the great highs and and we've felt those uh, miserable miserable lows of losing a fight. But speaking of experiences, let me just bring you back to. Uh, Back to your military years for one second, Brian. Like back when you got the Silver Star, because this is fascinating to me. I, I really like to the, the, to get in, like to think about, uh, to, to hear people's mindset, like how what they were thinking, what they were feeling, and as a fighter, like I know. 
the mindset of of a fighter, you know. But what I don't know, what I've never experienced, and many people, most people haven't. Uh, back in um, two thousand and five, May eighth, two thousand and five, during Operation Matador, when uh, your unit was ambushed by insurgents while you were trying to uh, rescue the Ram- Ramona Bridge, Could, let me ask you something. That was six days that you guys were. Um, you guys had to hold out for six days. And what was your mindset in that six days of of being in that situation? Could you bring me back there real quick? Yeah. Uh, you know, first, uh, you know, there, there was times where I thought I just got a bunch of kids killed. You know, if, you know, you, when you're an officer, you, you, you make the call, you make the audibles, you make the decisions. Hey, we got to go this direction. Hey, we need to go through this part. We need to go here. Um, Yes, there are times where there are those emotions and, and they have to pass through you so quickly. You don't have time. There's no time for tears. There's no time for feeling sorry. There's only time to make decisions and move forward. You know, whatever just happened, happened. Now we got to go next because everybody's waiting for you to make the decision. You know, where are we going to attack next? Where do we go from here? And so, you know, it, it, it's, it's just this nonstop cycle where you're trying to stay ahead of your enemy. What what are they going to do next? How can I be a step ahead of them? How can I, how can I catch them and uh, in, in, in exploit their weaknesses right now? And with the ultimate goal of accomplishing the mission and, and just getting, getting all of your Marines back, getting them home, not, not losing any lives. And uh, there, there's, just, there's no time to necessarily reflect anything. Uh, that, that's all for after. But, you know, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a very very intense um, time period and, and you've got to be prepared for it. And there's no feeling sorry for yourself. There's no, Hey, wait, I need a break. I need time. Somebody else, Hey, you be in charge for a second. You know, I need to, let me just sit inside this vehicle for a second or hide behind this wall. There, there's none of that BS. And you know, we, this is what, this is what we chose to do. Nobody drafted us. And, uh, we stepped up to do that. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a job. I don't think I'll ever be as good at a job as I was at being a Marine infantry officer. I why really did, don't. And, uh, you know, I know your probably next question is, well, why did, why did you get out of the military? It was, it was all family. You know, what? I looked at, uh, I looked at other people who had served for a lifetime and I saw how difficult it was for them to keep a family together. So how difficult yeah. it was for them to maintain a great relationship with their children and me not having a father that was the job that I considered to be priority number one at that point in time. Why did it take them six days to get you tank and air support? Well, we, no, we had, I had tank and air, so I had tanks with me the entire time. I was able to call air support anytime. That's just the length of the mission. I had to stay there to, to, to provide a blocking position because that, that bridge was one of the only passageways to get north of the Euphrates River. And we were also right on the Syrian border, so there could be a lot of different reinforcements. There, there were no borders in Iraq at the time. So you, you had fighters coming in from all over the world that, that would influence the area of operations that you're in, and they may not even live there. They're coming from Jordan. They're coming from Syria. They could be coming from northern Africa. I mean, they, they, they can make these trips go back and forth, resupply, influence the area, uh, terrorize the, the, the Iraqi populace, and then leave. And so if you're going to conduct a major operation to influence an area, you've got to seal that area. And so we, we were part of that seal, but we just happened to be in a very, very dangerous area. Oh, okay. So you weren't penned in for six days. You were actually kind of conducting something. Yeah, I mean, we, we had to be there. No, we weren't, we weren't penned in. We were just there for six days. And, and you know, when, when, you're, when you're in a position like that, you're in other people's territory. You're a target. 
you know, it, it's not like I'm on a base for six days. No, I'm, I'm at this bridge in the middle of an open, an open area right between two cities. So, you know, while you're sitting there, you can start getting mortar, take machine gun fire, get amb- you know, you're, you're moving around, but, um, but no, we, we had a legitimate job and a mission to be there. That's could, could I have sounded less like a military guy when I just asked that? So you were, you were kind of no, doing something. I, you know, <laughs> it's no big deal at all. You're not supposed to be, you know, and uh, I, it's, it's good when, when people who haven't served, you know, ask those questions. You know, I, 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 I tell veterans all the time to ask those questions for, you know, people in the civilian world that are in the industries and the jobs that they want to get into. You know, they, they, they talk about that gap between the civilians and the military. And how do you bridge it? Well, you bridge it by, by conversation, by asking questions, by having understanding and, and also getting advice and getting insight from people. So there, there's nothing wrong with that at all, man. You know what I think is a, a beautiful thing is how you're giving back to the veterans. When, you know, you're the president and CEO of uh, Hire Heroes USA, a nonprofit organization that helps U.S. military veterans. And could you tell me a little bit, a little bit about that, probably, buddy? Certainly, certainly. You know, we, we do... We do career and, and uh, career coaching and transition assistance for military service members, veterans, and their spouses. And we do it all in a one-on-one uh, service fashion, which is unique to anybody else in the country. So anybody who registers for service with us is going to get assigned to one person on my staff who's going to be responsible to take them through everything they need to find not just a job, but find a legitimate career, uh, something where they can make a family wage and move forward. So that now that they're out of the military, they can become not just a member of society, but a leader of society, have responsibility, get be a part of a team. And, and we do so, you know, through helping them to design a, a good plan, you know, a, a strategic plan for their employment, constructing resumes that, that speak to their value in a language that anybody can understand, not just the military. Teach them how to leverage social media, build a LinkedIn site so they can enhance their network and take advantage of their military alumni system practice interviewing for jobs and you know we all have these military stories and things that we did and accomplished but telling these stories again in a language that business people or people from different industries can understand and and more than just understand they can see how valuable we are and and why they want us on their team these are things that service members haven't done before we haven't written resumes we didn't interview for our job in the military we got recruited for our job in the military and in the military we use words like we and they Never say I and me. In a job interview, you've got to say I and me. So there's there's a lot of things that these men and women just aren't aware of when they're transitioning and looking for a job. And so often, service members end up taking the first opportunity that comes their way, and they end up massively underemployed, or they end up long-term unemployed. I mean, there's, on average, 26 weeks service members will spend uh, receiving unemployment benefits because they don't have a job. That's insane. These, these are amazing problem solvers with legitimate leadership skills and professional experience. A lot of times the reason they spend so long unemployed is just because they can't find a team that understands them and, and they don't have a good strategic plan to go apply to jobs that they're legitimately qualified for, that they can excel in. And so all of those issues, that's what we help them solve. And we help take someone you know, who's very confused to then getting to the point where they're extremely confident. They're walking into job interviews, knowing their value, knowing how to communicate it, and knowing that they'd be a valuable resource on that person's team. Awesome. That's a beautiful thing. Hey, between the uh, the commentary and, and your work with, with this uh, with the, your, your organization, uh, you're, you're a busy man, Brian Stan, but you're not, listen, I know where you're going to be this Saturday. 
Yes. Absolutely right. I'll be there Saturday. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, they I mean, be... consider that work. They consider that work. They consider they that work. All the time. <laughs> That's what me and Jimmy were saying because we had to go to Vegas. We went to three fights in three nights, and we're like, "Yeah, we're on the. This is work. We're yeah, on the job. I'm getting yeah, paid to watch. I mean, that me and you, we could talk about fight. I mean, talking about fighting, they pay us to do it. This is this is the biggest, this is the greatest deal ever. It's like paying me to eat pizza. Exactly. Oh, well, there's nothing. Let me tell you, that's a dream job right there. Don't don't. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us, Thanks, Brian, Brian. Man. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Good luck with the new show. I love it, guys. All right, take care, buddy. Thank you, man. Thanks, brother. I would, I, you know, it's funny. I wish I would have asked him, and I, and I didn't. What's uh, what was his life like before the military? Because as he's talking, I'm like, yeah. what an alpha lifestyle. Oh, look at this guy. He's a fighter, <laughs> I mean, a marine. marine captain. He won a oh, silver man. star. No, he's like, I mean, talk about Captain America. That guy. Yeah, it really. I mean, that, that's a man's that life. That guy should be in the next Expendables. What, what did he do before him? that? I wonder what kind of a kid he was. If he fought a lot or if his dad was military. And he's such a like, a like a good guy, like a nice, good guy. You know what I mean? Just upbeat and, and, and good dude. Most guys like that who are who are pretty much have the ability to kill you in a lot of different ways are pleasant. <laughs> yeah, they have nothing to prove. That's but it. He's a great. He's a great commentator too. A really interesting dude. So thank you, Brian. For, thank uh, you, Brian. Calling in. You know, Matt. What's really important? Talk I mean, to me. The most important thing is that we're comfortable. Yes. You know, I mean, look, measure suits are now affordable and they're available to the masses. You and I say that all the time. Why are there not measure suits available? Indochino. Yes. Every once in a while. I have nothing to add. I'm just going to keep... I love saying Indochino. Indochino is a great word. I love saying it. Look, a made-to-measure suit feels a lot better than a generic off-the-rack piece of crap suit. That's fact. Because again, as I've talked, like Hillary Clinton, how about you wear suits? This Indochino should take care of Hillary because her stupid sleeves never reach her wrists. She looks like she's wearing a concert t-shirt from the 80s. She should be calling up Indochino. She absolutely. Get a suit that's uniquely yours. Indochino is reinventing men's fashion. And it's a made-to-measure suit. That's the best kind you're ever going to own. So suit up. Get a -a one-of-a-kind made-to-measure suit. Customize the details that you want that are important to you. Pick your lining, your lapels, your personal monogram, and more. There's 14 unique measurements that go into making a suit that fits you perfectly. You can't go wrong with a well-crafted 100% merino wool suit. Also, check out their made-to-measure dress shirts and men's accessories. Money-back guarantee. Today, our listeners get any premium suit for just $399. That's up to 50% off at Indochino.com when entering UFC at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. Also very important because a lot of times companies screw you by overcharging for the shipping. There's no reason not to try your first custom-made suit with a deal this good. And a suit classic from their premium collection that's going to look good, feel good, and it's going to last. Again, you don't want a suit that you put it on and two weeks later you're like, Hachoo! And the sleeve falls off. That sucks. Indochino.com, promo code UFC. For any premium suit for just $399 and there's free shipping. Indochino, your look, your way. Indochino? Good measured suit. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to those uh, Indochinos because God knows I'm built weird. Everything I have fits me terribly. I don't have anything that fits my... My body's odd looking. Both me and you both, brother. At least me you're again, you're, you're a solid rock. You're like a little oh, fire yeah, plug. Yeah, fire plug. <laughs> I'm like one of those fucking things at the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. <laughs> Just a misshapen little weird thing that floated <laughs> off a ship. That's it's creepy. <laughs> that was cl- Close Encounters. Remember yeah. that? That was good. Oh, does that was. hold up? You know, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen that in, in years. E.T. doesn't. 
Um, E.T. Except, doesn't hold up. Except when he's all ashy and dying on the bathroom floor. <laughs> I saw that a couple of years ago and I cried. Did I'm you? I'm like, I should be fucking shot in the face. Did you cry at that? Uh, recently. In a couple of years ago. As I you, wept at E.T. It's, e. it's a weird thing as you get older with the crying. We talked oh, about that before. I'm a you get a little, you get a little, creep. You get a little weepy. With I'm awful. Things. I really yeah. am awful. Yeah. My fucking ovaries are drying up. I'm just like that with my kids. I'm not like that with fucking E.T. Kids are normal. E.T.'s not going to get me. Yeah. I don't think so. I see E.T. with fucking dying of AIDS. It's not going to bother me. Yeah, it's the new one. They're remaking it. <laughs> E.T. shoots heroin with a couple of friends in an alley. <laughs> catches the virus. <laughs> uh, I cry at a lot of weird shit. Do you? Weird Movies, shit? yeah. Movies. Yeah. Name a movie right away. Boom. Deep Throat. <laughs> <laughs> Those two tears are... <laughs> no, I, I. What's a movie that made me cry? A weird one. Uh, it's hard to well, say. Well, ET's like, a fucking weird one, no? Yeah, I'm thinking more recently than that, though. What's that? Weird shit. Yeah, does get to me. Yeah, I'm like an emotional. I, I'm, my emotions are always one click off, one step off. You know, I could I could be driving and thinking of my kids or something with my kids, and I could tear up. Like, yeah, your bitch. kids. It's so weird. The kids, yeah, it's a weird thing. They, they get you. Over nothing, over just anything. And just thought, oh. And then I'm watching Schindler's List with a heart on. I'm like, what's wrong with yeah, me? Right? My emotions are one <laughs> click off. I'm like, right. Crying at the fucking fun stuff. Yeah. Turned on fuck. by the weird stuff. You know what's going to be fun? Talking to uh, the new champ. Yes, we have Amanda Nunes today. Nunes. Uh, if she doesn't blow us off, my self-esteem always says they're going to blow us off. Nah, nah, nah. I think, I think she's looking forward to talking to us. I don't know. I never think people are looking forward to talking to me ever. <laughs> I look forward to talking to you. Because you're a good friend. Oh, thank you. We're, We're becoming polite. good friends. We are. Yeah, you're a nice. I just, I just invited you to my Christmas dinner earlier. I know. In, in August, don't hold me to that. I'm only kidding. I know. It's, it's a little early to do that. No, I was just saying. If you're fucking having a lonely Christmas, you're coming to my house. Um, my road manager is dialing my phone now, and I don't know why. <laughs> Probably it's never good news <laughs> what does that when he mean? calls. Is, is it is a problem? Or I you, don't know. You I'm going to answer it right here. You think here. you're Hold losing on. a gig? I see you answer it right on air. Hello, I'm taping the podcast. All right, he's going to talk to his road manager. Let's see what he says. Okay, yeah. I'll have to call you after. Is everything okay? Yeah, let's, let's find out if everything's okay. This might be big news. He might be canceling uh, I'll, okay, dates. Okay, I'll, I'll talk to you after. Yeah, yeah, he can't keep you on. What happened there? No, it's important stuff about a rental car. <laughs> I'm thinking it's the plane that I'm going to get on crashed or something bad happened. The rental car. It's the fucking rental car. But he always has a doom. Kenny's a good guy, but he always has a doom say. He can't help himself. Yeah? You've been with him a long time? Yeah, I know him many years. Yeah? Hey, Kenny, how are you? I don't know. The universe is expanding. You know, there's always he's some... He's a deep guy? Negative no, guy? No, just, you know, he just he's an ex-cop, so they always see the yeah. negative... They're trained to look for that stuff because you're always trained to look for the bullshit and what's wrong, how you're being deceived, how you're being lied to, what's fucked up, what's underneath that. Because, you know, cops, that's what they do to survive. They have yeah. to. So that translates into civilian life. You know what I mean? So how's your omelet? I don't know. There could be glass in it. All right. <laughs> cool. Enjoy your breakfast. But, uh, yes, yeah, okay. It's just a rental car. I just wanted people to hear that's my hell. Oh, that's great. That's the hell I live in. So I guess we should get Amanda on let's the phone. Get, let's, talk, let's talk to her. <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to her. She was so phenomenal. Her last fight was, was so great. They came to my apartment. I, I'm always uncomfortable with people in my house. Not as uncomfortable as they are. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, where's the exit? Uh. When I'm not there, I'm always uncomfortable. Oh, yeah? With people being in my house. 
Let's talk to the uh, the new champ. Yeah, what a terrible segue this is into Amanda Nunez. <laughs> I apologize for this. Hello. Hello, Amanda. How are you? You're on with Jim and Matt. How's everything? Hi, I'm good. And you? Very good. Where are you right now? Uh, who is this? Sorry. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Jim, Jim Norton and Matt Sarah, UFC Unfiltered, the podcast. Hi, Amanda. Hey, hi. Oh, so you just thought two random hi. weirdos were calling up. Where are you? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I'm actually in Boston right now. Oh, you're in Boston? And, and what are you doing? Do you live there or do you just train there or, or vacationing? Uh, no, I'm just here for work. Okay. Um, what are you doing? Um, I'm doing a show here, a fashion show, actually. Oh, cool. Um, now, are you, is, is, it, is it like fight fashion stuff or are you involved in the fashion world in another way? Uh, well, I'm also a model, so I'm here just to do a, a show. It's just a fashion show. That's amazing. Do you worry when you're fighting about being a model? Um, like, like, do you like? Do you ever think like, wow, this could change my my other career, or is that a secondary thought for you? Uh, for what? The modeling. Uh, well, I start as a model, and then I've been reporting for the UFC. So, the reporting came after, like two years ago. Oh, okay. I see. Look at that. Right. Hey, uh, let me tell you. First of all, phenomenal fight with Misha. We were there live, and, and that was that was an amazing fight. Wait, but you guys are talking about Amanda Nunes, right? Yeah, yes, who, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> what the fuck? No, I'm not Amanda Nunes. I'm Amanda Salvato. I work for the UFC, but I'm a reporter for the UFC. That's why I got so surprised when you guys called hey, me. Amanda, nobody is more surprised than us. <laughs> Wait, is this, is this not Amanda Nunes? It's not. No, this is not Amanda Nunes. But but you are Brazilian. I am, and I, I do work for the UFC, but as a reporter, not as a fighter. That's why I was like, no, but you uh, know, fighting and modeling. We oh, we got well, the uh, this well, is the second time we've gotten the wrong number. Listen, I'm not blaming our producer. I uh, listen, Amanda. I am. I'm blaming our producer. I am. It's yeah, Chris's do it. Fault. Listen, <laughs> but let's uh, yeah, listen. How how's the uh, how's the modeling going? It's good. It's good. I do prefer to report, though, but it's sure. still good. I make some money out of it. I so, can't complain. So let's see, Amanda. If you fought Misha Tate, how would you have felt about beating her? <laughs> uh, for sure, I would have uh, got her on the ground as well, since I'm a blue belt on jiu-jitsu. Very, where do you train jiu-jitsu? I train at Hands of Grace in New York. What are, you, what are you talking about? We're family. Do you know that? Exactly. What are you, if you're ever in Long Island, you could come visit my place. We could have had you in studio if you're training in the city. Yeah, right? <laughs> Look at that. Listen, so great to talk to you. And, and since you're a Hensel Gracie blue belt, I'm sure I'm going to be seeing you down here sooner or later. Yes, yeah, I'm there almost every day when I'm in town. You know, I am alum, uh, you know, alumni over there, you know, being <laughs> Hensel's first American black belt. I'm not bragging about myself. Amanda. No, I, I haven't seen you there in a while. Though. Uh, well, now you're giving me a guilt trip. I'm stopping by because, you know, me and Hensel <laughs> are family. And uh, I love that whole crew down there. Thank you. For, I'm, we're so sorry to stalk you like this and come yeah. on. And, uh, no wonder you had a weird reaction. Hello, where are you at the moment? <laughs> that really yeah. was an uncomfortable phone call to get. Well, you made the podcast. <laughs> we're happy we talked to you. And next time, come in studio. It would be nice. Yeah, you, good luck with the number with Amanda. Uh, All right. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll do our best. Take care. Take care, Amanda. <laughs> See you later. All right, well, folks, we lie. What was her last name? I don't remember. She was very nice to, to tolerate that. Yeah, what a what a reporter. what a nice nice reporter. So do we get the model. we get the wrong number sent to us? That's twice in two weeks. We had this happen uh, last week, I think. Right? Yeah, when we were trying to reach Joanna. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yo, all right. Well, that's fine. All right, we'll so, just make uh, the most of it, and me well, and Matt will just keep talking. We'll just do we have the right talk- number now. 
Yeah, I'm going to work on getting it right. Yeah, you work okay. on that, and we'll go back to talking about whacking off. We may or may not have Fuck. Amanda Nunes. I think that's hysterical. I'm asking this. I'm like, wait a second. Now, Amanda Nunes is, is, a, model. is, is a model, huh? Like, And I'm not saying she she's definitely could be a model. You know, she's a pretty girl, but uh, interesting. I did not know. I did not know. That and she's not. She's obviously not a model or a reporter. What the fuck did they just do to us, Jimmy? The minute the woman said, "I I'm a, I also report for the UFC," I'm like, "I'm like, wow." Well, Amanda Nunes would not be listing a fighter third on the resume. What the fuck? I'm like, so wait a second. She I'm like she's modeling. So I'm all right now. She's you're like you ever worry about the modeling? Do we? How long were we going until we realized that this was like because she had the accent? Yes, she did. <laughs> Then again, if they told us that was Ronda Rousey, oh, I would have believed this. Shit, we just man. plowed right through, and oh. they sent the wrong number. Yeah, hey, listen. We've had UFC this a unfiltered, of times. UFC unscripted. That's little, true. We're just fucking rolling with it, you know? Yes. Hey, listen. UFC listen. unpolished. That's what oh, we yeah. should call it. Un- we're working on this. UFC unprofessional. <laughs> Let's keep going with the fucking names we can we get. We are with. working on it. By the way, it was good to see our pal. Uh, did we tell you to talk about Dana yet? I uh, did a great job at, at the uh, the RNC uh, making a speech about his friendship with Trump. I thought it came off as very genuine, you know, because Trump supported the UFC. Whether you like Trump politically or not, it's not relevant. It's the fact that he was a friend to Dana and he oh, supported yeah. the company. And I, I love the fact that Dana went up there and spoke about that. Well, he back, spoke about it back in the day when nobody was, everybody was running from the UFC, not even giving them a chance or a place to even hold an event. My first fight was at the Taj Mahal back in two thousand and one, uh, and and that was because of Donald Trump. Because you know, I mean, oh, I didn't he, know that. Yeah, that was two thousand and one, Trump Taj Mahal in Atlantic City. <laughs> so I fucking lost, but that's not the point. Have you, you know met him? Uh, no, but then he went to the next one after that at the Meadowlands just as a, a, a you know, he's a fan. Yeah. It's funny. I was with Dana, uh, recently when we were doing our, our show, Dana White looking for a fight. And, uh, when I was out there with him, he, he had to jump out of the room for a second. You know, it's nothing big cause he's always jumping in and out cause the guy's busy 24 seven. He came back and he goes, Oh man, that was Trump. And he was told Donald called him about, you know, maybe getting dinner if he's in New York and, and, uh, and then also saying to bring it up about the Stipe fight, like he was talking about fights that just happened with Stipe oh, really? winning the belt, and Verdum looked a little off, and then Stipe did great, and then, so it's funny, man. He's just bullshitting as a, as an MMA fan. So he really likes it. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. I don't know him. I've met him once or twice. Uh, his uh, his son is a friend of mine, Donald Jr. Used to live oh, really? on the floor above me, and I thought he came off better than anybody. He looked great yeah. when he was. Yeah, he's a great speaker. He's a really smart guy. And he's actually helped me in, uh, I was doing some apartment hunting, and I had a question about some of the issues in my apartment, and Don Jr. said, yeah, give me a call, because he does the uh, radio show I do with Opie a lot. He came in, in for uh, an hour on Super Tuesday, but he's a very genuine, no bullshit guy. He said he was going to do something, and he did it. So I imagine he gets that from his dad. So it was good, anyway, it was good to hear Dana, and uh, you know, I, he looked pretty collected. You know, I don't know if he was nervous or not, but he seemed pretty together. A lot more than I would have been in that. Because Giuliani just fucking fell apart. Greatness! Did he? Ru- oh, I, did. Ru- I didn't enjoy Rudy's speech. He was screaming and yelling, and his head like looks like fucking Frankenberry. But uh, I thought Dana came off really well. He came out with the right energy, and I'm not just saying that because he signs my paychecks. Yeah. Um, if he was terrible, I wouldn't say it, yeah, but he was good, so I'm happy saying it. I think it. he's uh, 
that experience at the Laugh Factory on episode seven of Dana White looking for a fight really helped him in he's, front of audiences. Plus, he's a good talk. He fucking deals with the press. He stands there and he talks. He's fine. Yeah. But Rudy, I didn't enjoy. He tried. You Like, that's a shitty gig. We described it as a hell gig for a comedian because there's all these people milling about and they're yeah. standing there and they're yelling. So you got to be pumped up and yell shit to get everybody. Yeah. But uh, it's not like a quiet, attentive audience. You know, they're animals. So I thought Dana did a good job. Rudy, on the other hand, drove me nuts. I didn't hear Ben Carson's speech, but I imagine it was very mellow. He's a mellow guy, Ben Carson. Is he? Which is what you want from a fucking neurosurgeon. You know, he's the (laughs) smartest guy who ran on either side. You're a neurosurgeon. You're a bright guy. And Ben Carson talks very quietly, and he has a very low demeanor. And people are like, yeah, he's kind of boring. It's like, well, yeah, he operates on infant brains. That's not where you want the high-energy caffeine guy. <laughs> you don't want you know, me in like, there. Oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to cut into this infant spine. No, I don't want that. I want low-energy fucking mellow. So uh, good job, Dana. Congratulations. I sent him a text, and he's, yeah. he was very happy. Yeah, it was and, quite uh, the honor for him, too. And we're getting Amanda on the phone oh, now. Do we have the Amanda? right number? Which Amanda is this? Yes, we have the right number. Okay, good. Huh? You find if Amanda Bynes got on the phone. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> that was fucking classic. Hello. Hi, is this Amanda? Yes. Hi, Amanda. You're on with Jim Norton and Matt Sarah for uh, UFC Unfiltered. Thank you for talking to us. Oh, I can't talk right now. I'm sorry. What? Oh, you can't? Okay. I, yeah, because I have to go home. What happened, Amanda? Is it an emergency? I, I didn't know you guys were gonna call me. Wow, this is a real shit show on our part. Okay, what happened? Sorry champ? about. Sorry you, about that. We thought we had you scheduled for oh, today. Oh man, you're busy, Amanda. Oh, I have to put. What do you, you have to you do? Gotta, if you don't mind me asking, you gotta go home. I'm so very wet right now. I have to run at home and then change my clothes. Oh, oh wow! Oh, there you go. Sorry. So they didn't let us. They didn't let you know that we were gonna speak to you today. The busy life of the new oh. champ. I'm so sorry. Okay, uh, okay. So you gotta okay, go. Okay, we we can keep it going. I'm already. That's that's okay. This is ent- this is entertaining though. If you want to bullshit with us a little bit, it's okay. This uh, we're changing the name of the podcast to it's a clusterfuck. <laughs> so yeah, we're this happy is a total clusterfuck. You know what happened, Amanda? We were gonna call you a second ago, and we called a different Amanda. So oh. and, and, and then so we talked to a Brazilian model slash. Uh, reporter, and then we found out it wasn't you, so that was kind of fucked up. So now we, <laughs> so now we got you, the new champ. We're all excited, and you're basically uh, kicking us to the curb, and it's so upsetting because we're, we're such fans. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, listen. I want to gas you up about your fight with Misha. Do you want to talk a little bit, or you want to jump out? Yes, and- yes. Good. Sure. See this now. You now you're into it. Now you know what that we're not just. Now we're in. Now you're you're all in. Yes, Amanda. Well, congr- Good. Congratulations. I'm glad we got you. By the way, congratulations. Congrats, champ. Thank you so much. Sorry about that. Really. No, no problem. No problem. Listen, phenomenal, phenomenal fight. We were there when you uh when you captured the belt by beating the uh very very game and tough uh Misha Tate. And let me tell you, I mean, right off the bat, people were expecting a war. And you fucking lioness took care of business right off the bat. You heard her. You stayed on her. And uh, what was going through your mind when that stopped? When that when the choke was sunk in and and the, and the fight was stopped? Yeah, Misha's pretty tough, but uh, I'm so very ready for that fight. And I know when I start connecting, Misha is gonna stay still. I'm I know that, but everybody everybody really think we're gonna lose that fight. But I prepare a lot mentally to to be strong in that moment, you know? And I think the the big thing was mentally 
I broke I break Misha mentally, and she oh. she can keep it going the fight. When you when you got switched to being the main event, you know you guys were supposed to be the co-main event, and then or, or not even the co-main event. Then all of a sudden you're the main event. Did that add any pressure to you? The additional uh, scrutiny and the additional uh, media coverage. Did that make you feel any differently? No, because when you're gonna fight for the title shot, I already have like a big pressure on you. You know. Whatever the fight is going to be, the third, the second, the, the main event, that's okay. You know, because you already have that pressure, you're going to fight for the title, you know? And everything else is going to be easy, like voice. Misha, you are very... That's not Misha. Oh, fuck. That's Amanda. Amanda. Ah, it's it's not not Misha. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get confused who I'm talking to right now. I'm sorry. No, of course I know it's the champ. Yes. I was, my head was in the fight. Please, Stipe. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, uh, Amanda. Let me ask you. Your jujitsu is, uh, you know me. I'm, I'm a former. You know, I love jujitsu. It's in my blood. Uh-huh. What your your striking so devastating? What do you What do you prefer? Do you or is it anywhere it goes? You don't give a shit because you're your game either way. Or yeah. do you prefer like? Or is it depend on your opponent? I mean, I mean, your jujitsu training. How long have you been a black belt? Yeah, I've been black belt for three years. Oh, nice. And yeah, and. I, I actually, um, my background is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I come from grappling, judo, and jiu-jitsu, yes. and I grappled my whole life. And and I I started uh, learning striking, and then was very fast. And my coach looked at me like, unbelievable, you like catch strikes easy like that because people coming from ground game it's harder to to catch strikes very fast like that I did it. And I start to knock people out. They like surprise it. And <laughs> that's why you guys see in my fights, like I knock people out, but I, this is not a thing I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to take people down and then submit, but it's happening in my fights. I have, I, I have this power that I don't know where it's coming from. And I do it, you know, when I see the chance, now I'm more intelligent in strike. I know how to, how to hurt people very well and in the fight and, I take it anywhere. I take it now. I take it in the, on the feet, on the, on the ground, whatever. Whatever my opponent give it to me, the opportunity, I finish the fight. This, this is the big thing. And the beautiful thing about having that background in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, the difference between somebody who's a very good striker coming from just a striking background is that you could actually pull the trigger, you could let your strikes go without really the the fear of thinking, all right, well, if I mess up, they could just take me down and submit me. Because you have that, you have that background, you have that guard. You've been in, you know, how many submissions you pulled off over the years, how many times, uh, all the time you put on the mat, it allows you to let more go standing up. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and a lot of wrestlers come to fight against me, they think like, oh, I'm going to put a man on the floor and then it's done. But they forget I come, my background in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I'm comfortable. But things happen sometimes in the fight. I can't show the Jiu-Jitsu that I have. Now I find my way, you know, to yes. make everything work by my side in the cage. And the the big mistake is just the wrestler, like the mistake, the Sarah McMahon mistake, Misha's mistake. I think he, I'm I'm scared to go to the ground. I'm scared to strike it and opponents like like them. But it's wrong. I told her you completely wrong. If you think I'm I'm scared to strike it, you know. Yes. And pe- people people have to to understand it. 
I train it every single day. I born it to do that, you know. And all the time when I get in the gym, I try to uh, make better my strike, make better my jiu-jitsu, my wrestling, my judo. I train everything to the next fight. I'm in another, in another level, each fight. And I don't know why people think I'm so like, I don't know people think I'm going to lose that fight, you know, because doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, well, you're extremely, extremely well-rounded with the, with your with your your power, with your striking. Like you said, your Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, background and your judo background. Uh, the fight this weekend, I know you're going to be paying attention with uh, Holly versus Valentina on, on, on Fox this weekend, is going to be a fight that I'm sure you're paying attention to. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of that fight? How do you think that's going to go? And one way or the other, do you, do you, uh, do you care who you get? If 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 you do fight the winner of that or or do you you know I don't care who won this fight because I know I can beat both of us at the same time. If you put it both of us inside of the cage with me, I beat both of us. <laughs> Lioness. <laughs> <laughs> and but uh, I think this fight is gonna be Holly Holm is gonna win this fight by decision. Oh, and because Valentina Checo don't know how to how to strike it with a long reach. Ah, interesting. The Holly Holmes know how to do this very well. So you think it's going to go the yeah. decision? Okay. And, uh, you know, the other night when you were, uh, when you handled your business and you got that belt, Juliana uh, Pe- Pena took on Katzingano in a, in, a, in a very nice fight. A good fight. A lot of good grappling in that fight. And she was the victor. Have you have you been watching her, Juliana? You've been watching her lately? That's a, that, um, that's another one on the, uh, who should, is, is definitely uh, going to be on your radar. It should be. Yeah. I watch her fight in the in the house, and then this last one too. Yeah, it's, you know, it's good for her. Was a good one, and if if she's the next, I'm okay. You know, I'm the champion. I'm gonna be ready for who else next, and yeah. uh, I'm gonna wait. And obviously, there's much talk about Ronda Rousey if she's coming back, and she's so high profile with what she's done. I mean, is that is that a fight that you'd be um, very excited about? And how, how do you think you match up with her? Yeah, definitely. If she's come back, I know UFC's gonna put her in the line right away. I mean, yeah. I, I take it. You know, I can't. I can't wait. Yeah, they did. You know, talk- I hope she come back. She can take this fight, and they we make this happen. Yeah, that would that would be a, a phenomenal. That was gonna be awesome. Yeah, that would be yeah. a phenomenal fight. That really would be. Exactly. And- this is gonna be the fight. Is gonna be very happy. You know, everybody, and I'm excited. What did you do before you fought, Amanda? Over there in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, like in, before before you were a fighter, what did you do? Oh, I play soccer, you know, and I, I always, you know, an athlete. I always want to be something in the sport, and I play soccer, and I decided to eat. I decided training and jiu-jitsu, and everything's happened after that. I always hated soccer because I, I would get kicked in the face. Like, I, I got drilled in the face with the ball a couple of times, and I'm just like, why can't I use my hands? This is silly. And I just stopped playing because I was no good at it. Uh, <laughs> I love soccer. It yeah. was my first, my first sport, and I thought I was going to be big on, on soccer, but everything's changing. <laughs> well, UFC and, fans were a lot nicer than soccer fans. I mean, soccer fans are <laughs> a little crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, they take, like, personal thing, you know? They, but it's good too, though. He's, and Amanda, you're the, I like it. You're, the, you're, the, you're UFC's first 
openly gay champion, uh, which which is really great. W- were you out before you uh, fought and became champion, or, or before you fought, or was it something that you you discussed publicly once you started fighting? No, actually, it's just something that I discussed when I started fighting. I know people is gonna find out. I know, and I'm okay with it. You know, I never hide for nobody. Sure. If she asking me, I tell you. I always introduce Nina. This is my girlfriend. Whatever, this is not only because I'm the champion now, I want to make this big. No, this was always, always my life was no big deal. This is normal for me. I'm happy. This is the more important thing. And I want to show everybody I'm happy. And if people have to stop being so crazy about it. And that's why it was big like that. When I won the fight, the kids kneeling in the cage, everything. To see, like, people have to see this is normal. This is not, not um, a sickness thing. This is no, I don't do anything bad for nobody. This is my life. I'm happy. You know, I want to show everybody this is not a big deal. Right. It's just, it, it's, it has nothing to do with you as a fighter. I, I think it's really great, though, because uh, I think maybe it gives other people the, the kind of strength to realize, like, hey, you can still be a respected fighter and a champion. Uh, if you're gay, it doesn't matter. I think it's just really great that you're uh, open about it. Yeah. The only thing you say, if I can help one person to to be strong about it, in that day, see me in a kid in the cage, whatever, uh, I'm happy, you know? I can help at least one person to be strong to go through this. Well, you're a great fighter, and uh, you, you really, you won that uh, that belt very, very uh, decisively. You were awesome. You were really awesome. And you're a very entertaining fighter. You go out there, and there's no bullshit. You're going out there to take someone's head off or take a limb off and that's the kind of fighting i like to watch uh, you're very enjoyable you. i really enjoy watching your fights thank you i'm gonna keep doing keep training to always give a show for you guys and then getting more excited each fight thank and, you so much appreciate thank you amanda and i'm sorry matt called you misha we're gonna fire him for that i'm very what? sorry <laughs> it was terrible <laughs> uh, that's okay no problem all right take thank care so amanda much, guys. Take thanks care. so much bye bye all right amanda bye yeah, she's very nice. No, what a night. Listen, I'm glad she she hung in there with yeah. us and talked to us. She was cause... wet. She was going home. I guess she was like sweaty from training. I, or maybe I think she was is. just giving us the blow off, and then she re- she ta- she caught the vibe that it's a that we're a, that we're a good crowd. Handsome, here. strong men. Yeah, well, I cool think she guys. I think she realized no. that she was talking to us, and we're not just a couple of corny fucking reporters. Like, hey, uh, how does it feel, champ? No, we're fucking we're bullshitting with her, and I think she caught the vibe of the show. And I think right now she's going on iTunes and she's going to subscribe to UFC and leave a comment and probably leave a comment, hopefully favorable. And by the way, is that the one? Who's that? That's it. That's the other Amanda. Can I see this? Wow, that's the greatest mistake we've ever had. Hold on. The other Amanda. Oh, so this was was the blue belt at Hensel Gracie's. Is uh, she married? Amanda. Oh, she's lovely. Amanda Salvato. Amanda Salvato. Very wonderful. You hear me? You get Is this she away married? From me. I'm married. So I'm get that for, away hold from on, me. but I'm 48, and I'm misshapen. And I'm wondering if the model. Mm. Blue belt is interested. Yeah. I'm a deluded motherfucker. Oh well, she is beautiful, and let me tell you something. <laughs> no, but I really um, am a deluded idiot. Fucking no, you're not. Hey, you're, is she single? Dude, you're a successful. Uh, you're you're a fucking superstar. Hold Jimmy on, Matt. Let me let me see. Is the Brazilian uh, model available? God, am I an asshole? My Tom Brady. I should shut my mouth. Oh, she's beautiful, and let me tell you, she's beautiful. And Amanda is a warrior. The other um, Amanda. Nunes. Amanda Nunes. Yes, what exactly. a very nice person. Misha's a warrior uh, too. Misha Tate. Anyone who fights. Why did I call? Why did I call her Misha? Because you, know, you were I was thinking so, about me. Shit happens. How unprofessional am I? You're, Jimmy. Not, I don't Jimmy. know. How did we get that wrong number? By what happened? I want to oh, know what happened. Ro- I want the listeners <laughs> to know what happened. We don't hide here. Well, I mean, I think 
It's pretty. It was just Amanda, one Amanda, and another Amanda. They just oh, mixed oh, them yeah, up. Oh yeah, there you go. Amanda. There you go. Happens all the time. Fucking this guy's this guy's jobs in trouble. Just the producer. <laughs> just kidding. I, I'm Chris. not the one that grabs the numbers. You know. Uh, yeah, I would well, say whoever the one, number grabber is. This one's fucking... not on Chris. Because there's no way to test it without calling. It's true. It's just, true. In order to test it, you'd have to be calling the athlete. <laughs> Listen, somebody's head will roll, and there's nobody in this room. Well, oh, maybe so. not. Maybe maybe it's still just fucking fucking glide by. Do we have any more plugs to do on anything? Before? I got a plug. What a, what, a, what an episode! This episode was like my career, fucking up and down and all around, up and, and down some mistakes from somewhere to the top <laughs> from Jimmy. But this was like my fucking career. This episode, I don't know, but it's very uh, it's upbeat. It's very upbeat. At the end, we're, we're leaving here in a fucking good mark. We certainly where, are, Jimmy. Where, where what do you got going? I'm, you going got a gig to, this I'm in Ohio tonight, uh, Thursday night. You can catch me uh, at the uh, Capitol Theater tomorrow as the nice. Gathering of the Juggalos. Go to jimnorton.com. I'm going to be in Minnesota and Pittsburgh in September. I'm in Toronto in September. I'm coming to Australia finally in September. Oh, I have man. a shitload of gigs coming. So if you want to see me, go to jimnorton.com. All my dates are up. And I got nothing going on, man. Just teaching arm locks, sarahbjj.com. Dana White looking for a fight. UFC unfiltered. We're fucking out of here, Jimmy. I had a great time as usual. Yes, buddy. I'll see you soon. Later, homie. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.